podcast land and welcome to another edition of Jesus and Coffee Amen. Ah, this is a daily devotion slash Bible study. We read the scriptures, we pray, we have our coffee and we start our day. I want more and more. Give me a good cup of coffee. Give me a word that rocks me. A whole lot of Jesus and a little caffeine. You are my awakening. The world awaits out the front door. Well, this is Jesus and Coffee, amen. I've got my Bible open in front of me. I've got a nice hot cup of dark roast coffee. And I got everything I need to start my day. So why don't you join us? If you love Jesus and you love coffee, Come on in. If you don't love Jesus and or coffee, come on in anyway. You may like it. You may not. You may learn something. You may not. But it surely won't help you. I guarantee you that much. Maybe something to start your day. You may find something to think about all day, to meditate, and to make your day better than it might have been. So let's get started. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to have coffee. And we're going to start our day. Jesus and coffee. Amen. Only you make me come alive. Only you can satisfy. It's a supernatural high. Jesus and coffee. Amen. All right, today we're in chapter 5 of John. I'm going to go verses 1 through 18. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, today. I told you in the beginning of this podcast that I like to switch it up, depending on how I'm feeling, what words they use to translate, how they move me. So, English Standard Version, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. And let's pray and get into it. Almighty God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your holy word. Change us with your word, because we desperately need to be changed. Reveal yourself to us from your word, because we desperately need to know you. And speak to us through your word, because we desperately need to hear your voice. Amen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. 
Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Amen. The word of the Lord. All right, the first thing that pops out of my head is... uh, the name of the pool, the name of the pool is Bethesda. Bethesda means house of kindness or house of mercy, so it's aptly named for what people expected. Uh, they belief at the time was that an angel would come down and stir up the waters, and then the first person into the water would be healed. Now, if you're reading a version yourself that goes from chap- from verse 3 to verse 5 that's because many people think verse 4 was added to explain why the stirring of the waters what I just told you about the angel so many translations go from verse 3 to verse 5 because it's believed that verse 4 uh, doesn't belong there when it is there most translations will put it in a parenthesis because the best manuscripts don't include it it's not bad it just explains what they're talking about by stirring up the waters. Okay. So, Jesus comes up to this man. There are three things here that, as I've told you before, are in the dramatic present because the author wants you to see them as happening right now. He wants you to understand the drama here. So when he says to the man, "Wish, do you wish to get well? And he tells him to get up. And then later when it says, we, he found him. These are incredible happenings, and we tend to read the Bible ho-hum. A man was just healed. So John writes it in the dramatic present because he wants you to see the drama, the excitement. So keep that in mind, those three things. Now I'm struck by the question by Jesus, do you wish to get well? Do you wish to get well? At first, that sounds like a silly question. I mean, he's laying there by this pool, hoping he can get in there, but he can't get in there because he's not fast enough. So why else would he be there? But I think it's a wonderful question. Do you wish to get well? Do you really want to be well? Now, I work in a drug and alcohol treatment plan. Not everybody that goes there wants to get well. And it reminds me of something that I have on the wall in my office, written by Hippocrates. It's credited to Hippocrates anyway. Before you heal someone, ask him if he's willing to give up the things that make him sick. I don't know that that was Jesus' mindset, do you wish to get well? But he obviously wanted to know, did this guy really want to get well? Was he just laying around there so he could beg? 
Before you heal someone, ask him if he's willing to give up the things that make him sick. Because in my line of work, if you're not willing to give up what made you sick, you'll never get well. This happens to be Jesus' first Sabbath violation recorded here in the Gospel of John. It may be the first one of all the violations, but it's a big thing to them. The Pharisees are very upset about this. It's one of the big things that they made them want to go and get him. Uh, and it shows the shallowness of the Pharisees' faith that they have no regard for the man who was healed. In their eyes, Jesus has no regard for the law because he heals people on the Sabbath. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. It's wrong. But that's not the spirit of the law. They're into the letter of the law, and they interpret the law very strictly. They came up with all these rules that expound on the law. thing is, they have no concern for the man. A miraculous healing was done. Who cares? Someone who's been sick for 38 years. We don't know if he was blind, lame, what. But he's been sick for 38 years. He was miraculously healed. Who cares? No big deal. Violate the Sabbath. Now that's, that's something we pay attention to. You violated the Sabbath. You are a sinner. So they're all up in arms over this. So Jesus finds the man. Because they ask him, who healed you? Not, not who healed you. Forgive me. He says, who told you to pick up your pallet and walk? You are walking with your bed on your shoulders. It's against the law to do that. You can't do that. Again, it's all about the letter of the law. There's rigid interpretation of the law. The spirit of the law is beyond them. The goal of the law is beyond them. This man was walking with his pallet, and that was a no-no. They ask him, who told you to do that? I don't know. I don't know. The man who healed me. That's who did it. He told me to take up my bed and walk. Again, you were healed? Somebody healed you? No, they don't say that. They say, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? So anyway, Jesus finds him, says, you are well, sin no more. Sin no more. When we come to Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, when he comes into our lives, he doesn't do it just to heal us. He doesn't do it just to give us a ticket to heaven. He wants us to sin no more. Will we ever be sinless? Probably not. But we will sin less and less as we get closer and closer to Jesus, as we make him our great treasure and feel so strongly about our love for him that we can't go and do the things we used to do anymore because it offends him. Sin no more. Jesus is not saying that his sin actually made him ill. But sin can make you ill, depending on what the sin is. Like I said, the people I work with, their sins have made them really sick in many ways. Made them homeless, it's put them in jail, it's ruined their lives. 
So I need to know if they're willing to give up the things that make them sick so we can help them get well. And the next thing that I want to dwell on in my mind as I'm doing my devotion on this passage is that when Jesus responds to those who are angry because he is doing these things on the Sabbath, Jesus says, my father is working until now and I am working. Genesis says that God worked for six days and then he rested from creation. But it's a, it's a different kind of rest. It's a different kind of work. The law of, on the Sabbath that you shouldn't work is about doing business. It's about doing, doing things that can wait so you can have a day of rest in the Lord and pay attention to the Lord. But God is sustaining the universe. He's not just a watchmaker that wound it up and let it go. God sustains the universe. So he has to continue to sustain the universe. Think about that. God holds it all together. It's a line in a Rich Mullins song that if he let go of us, we'd all blow apart. So this is probably one of the things, not probably, it is one of the things that led to his execution because he's violating the Sabbath, he's calling himself equal with God because he said, God is my father. The last line there says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This blasphemous sinner. He is equal with God. He is God. God in the flesh. Oh, Christian, meditate on these things. Show these things to people. If you're enjoying the podcast, share it. Let it bless other people. If you're hating the podcast, well, I'm sorry. This is just my daily devotion in the morning, and I'm sharing it with the world because I feel like I should do that. If you want to contact me, send an email to jesusandcoffeeamen at gmail.com. That's Jesus, the letter N, coffee, amen. You can tweet me at Jesus and coffee, amen, but you got to leave the E out of amen because it's too long for Twitter. I hope you're blessed. Praise God. Be glorified today. Rest in Him. He loves you. Amen.